Colossians chapter 3. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Whether, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Kind of a weighty section of scripture, but a practical section of scripture want to look at the implications of these verses, the implications of the Lord as he spoke through Paul's writing. Beginning then, if then you were raised with Christ. Well, that's, that's a, an important starting point. If then you were raised with Christ. Seek those things that, which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. If you were not raised with Christ, you got to take care of that first. You know, there are promises of God that we would like to apply to the world at large, and they don't apply. There are commands that we should follow that the world cannot follow and really has no reason to follow until they take care of that first. If then you are raised with Christ. Brothers and sisters, I trust this evening all of you have been raised with Christ. All of you have submitted yourselves to the Lord and have been baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Many, if not all of you, have then followed in the Lord's baptism as well. So if you were raised with Christ, if you have identified with him and you truly belong to him, Seek those things which are above where Christ is. If we've been made one with him, then we should seek his, you know, the, the things that pertain to him. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. By the way, Paul would also write that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. How often we who have such such an inheritance to look forward to falls so far short and our perspective is earthbound instead of heavenbound. It's set on our light and momentary afflictions. Perhaps it's set on world events which we can't change. 
If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Now that doesn't mean that in seeking Christ, that doesn't also have um, a, a temporal benefit on earth. doesn't mean that we don't seek to be salt and light to the world around us. It just means when the elections don't go my way, you know, like I know that my hope is not in whether there's a D or an R or an I or a G or whatever other letter next to the name of the politician who gets in there. That's not my hope because I've had a number of R's let me down just as bad, if not worse, than a number of D's, if you know what I mean, and some I's thrown in there as well. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. How often when we set our, our mind on the things on the earth, it drives us to frustration. It drives us even to the point of despair. Setting our minds on, on things on the earth. Well, there are certain things on this earth that um, maybe you haven't considered it in that way. If you make an idol of another person, you know, if you set somebody in a place that should only be reserved for the Lord, and you look to a person to solve the problems that uh, you may be encountering, you're setting your mind on things on the earth. We're called to set our mind on things above, not on things on the earth. You know what? My resources fail. My health fails. My finances will probably fail. Uh, my uh, mental ability at some point is going to fail. You know, my body is, is has certainly failed me of late and will fail me, I'm sure, even more. But if I set my mind on things above, there's a perspective that I gain there. The perspective that I gain is this. Anything that I go through on this earth, how long is it going to affect me? As a son of the king, how long is it going to affect us? Can it be measured in centuries? The things that you're going through right now, the things that you're struggling with right now, are they going to be your struggles two centuries from now? Are they going to be your struggles? Probably, I'm probably not too bold in saying the majority, if not all of us, will not have one century from now to deal with the effects of those things. So why do we set our minds on those things? We should be responsible, yes. And we should do our part in what God has called us to in being good stewards and being good husbands or being good wives and being good sons and, and all the other relationships that we may have. And yet, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? For you died. That's it. There's the reason. You're dead. Aren't you dead? You know, like, that's it. My ambition is at an end. I buried that. I buried that with Christ. Now I live for whatever he wants. You know, if he's pleased to have me go through good health, praise him. If he's pleased to have me go through abundance, praise him. If he's pleased to, uh, you know, make it seem effortless, praise him. If he's pleased to make it so that it is... Uh, really difficult. Praise him. If he's pleased so that I am fighting for every moment, praise him. Praise him. We died. It's not about me anymore. It's not about us anymore. He is not beholden to our comfort. He is not beholden to our plans. We died. Our ambitions died. And he's calling us to something else. He's calling us to something bigger, more long-lasting. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What an awesome thing. What an honor. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about your place in Christ? Have you thought about how beloved you actually are? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're not an associate of the king. 
You are not merely some kind of groveling subject of the king, though it may feel that way at times. I have to say that over the past year, I certainly have felt that in periods. And yet, there is a nobility that is ours in Christ. We died, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Guess what? It might not be before then. We think that a victorious Christian life looks like glory. Well, maybe not in this life. It says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. How often we look to our outward circumstances as a barometer for how well we are doing in our relationship with Christ. You know, if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with depression, if you fight for every moment, you know, you may feel like, well, this isn't what God has for me. Maybe if your mind is set on things below, that could be a reason. But if your mind is set on things above, you know that that's still a possibility, right? And that's okay. You know, we're not promised glory in this life. We're not promised that one day, you know, before we're redeemed, before Christ returns, the world's going to wake up and be like, oh, you Christians were right all along. Oh, my goodness, how foolish we were to enact these laws and to say these harsh things about you. I don't, I don't read that. And I don't read that here. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then he is coming as the preeminent one. We've read the book. We've read the end. We know he's coming, and we're coming with him. He's coming on a, a white horse, and we're coming with him. Well, the world, they're going to see at that point. But don't be surprised if the world doesn't see before that. Don't think that somehow God's purpose and his agenda has been confounded because the world hasn't snapped to. We're not called to change the world's minds. We're called to call them to repentance. However they respond to that call, that's on them. It really is. He's called us to be faithful ambassadors of his kingdom, to represent him faithfully. But that doesn't mean that people are going to change their hearts or change their minds. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Therefore, I mean, because ahead there is this glory that awaits us. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Hey. You've already positionally died. You've died to yourself. So let's do some practical dying as well. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Now that doesn't mean like cut off your hand necessarily, gouge out your eye because sin isn't found in those individual members. It's seated in the, the deepest part of who we are. And the Lord redeems us and then he cleanses us through his Holy Spirit. Put to death your members. Put to death those aspects of who we are, um, which are fleshly. Fornication. First thing on the list here. Our Lord Jesus told us fornication isn't just something you do with your body. It's something that you do with your heart. It's something you can do with your mind. Put it to death. Don't play around with it. Don't, don't give it, you know, some kind of, like, well, I guess this part of fornication is not so bad. You know, like I would never do that. But this one right here is not so bad. This is not what the Lord's calling us to. Put to death your members which are on the earth. First of all, fornication. Second of all, uncleanness. Our life is hidden with Christ. Uncleanness and fornication, we have no part with that. That's not us. Passion. 
That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be, you know, like passionate about it's good to be zealous in a good thing always. But being led by our passions, that shouldn't define us any longer. That shouldn't be the way that we are any longer. You know, perhaps we were men who flew into a rage at one time, but that should not be us any longer. We got to put that to death. Sometimes that's awful hard, isn't it, brothers? It's awful hard to put to death that rage because it's so natural for us. Put it to death. It's not fitting for us. Evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness, seeing what somebody else has and wanting that. Sisters, do you ever see somebody else and you think, man, they have it so much better than I do. Whatever it may be, whether it's outward appearance or whether it is circumstance, life circumstance, family, whatever it may be. Man, their kids mind them a lot better than my kids mind me. Put it to death, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. You know, this was the pattern of our life beforehand, but not so in Christ. He's called you specifically. He has loved you specifically. You know, what business do we have coveting somebody else's situation? Coveting something or, or someone who belongs to somebody else. That's not for us. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Boy, this is going to seem real impossible. Okay. Anger. Wrath. Malice. Blasphemy. But maybe we don't think blasphemy is so, so problematic for us. Filthy language out of your mouth. Well, I can certainly understand anger. You know, we shouldn't be, especially in a rage, wrath. You know, we shouldn't be threatening people and then, you know, carrying such threats out. That's not who we are. You know, we, we are his sheep. We're the sheep of his pasture, right? Um, malice, you know, just really wanting terrible things for people. Blasphemy. What is blasphemy? So when we say, and I think sometimes uh, the saying comes from our believing of wrong things about God. Have we been guilty of blasphemy? Perhaps we have. Perhaps we have been the ones to say, you know, I know why your life is so messed up, brother or sister. It's because, you know, you just, you don't have enough faith. That's why. I don't know. I think that might be blasphemy. You know, he calls us to different things and through different seasons. Now, certainly, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that will he also reap. There is a natural reaping for sinful lifestyles. But sometimes there are hard things that our brothers and sisters go through, and they need our support. Let me refer back to sometimes the anxiety that they may deal with. Sometimes of the depression that they may deal with. Maybe we've been blasphemous in the way that we've talked with our brothers and sisters who are struggling with some of those things. We need to encourage them. We need to, to lift them up. You know, healing feeble knees. Right? Filthy language out of your mouth. It's just not who we are anymore. We're not corrupt like that. We've been given a new nature. We're sheep now. We're not pigs. We're not dogs anymore. We're new men. New women. Right? The world's like that. Maybe you work in a workplace where that's what's, what's common. Maybe everybody talks like that. Maybe everybody jokes like that. But should not be the case for us. We're called to something else. Our, our life's hidden with Christ, remember? We have an eternal hope and an eternal perspective. It's not like the world. They see today and they might see the next day. 
you know, but they don't look with an eternal perspective like we do. They're not sons and daughters of the king like we are. Do not lie to one another, since you've put off the old man with his deeds, and we should be known for truth, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now, we have put off the old man, but that's not all. I think sometimes, and especially when I was younger in the faith, I related to the Lord based on my works, based on what I had done or what I had not done, and that maybe God wanted to hear from me because I had done the right things, and maybe he didn't want to hear from me so much because I had done the wrong things, and I knew it. And he had warned me beforehand, and I still did it. We've put off the old man with his deeds. But again, I, I referred to Philippians 2.13. It's God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. How do we do that? How do we functionally do that? How do we practically put off the old man? It's not by making New Year's resolutions. It's not by making checklists of faults and then how well did I follow through today? Well, I guess I need to try harder tomorrow. Well, I guess I did all right today in these kinds of areas, but, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I could fine-tune it a little bit. No, it's all him. It's all by his spirit. We put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And this is the this is the thing as well, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. In Christ, those things that used to divide us don't matter anymore. Not at all. I've been kind of... Uh, wrestling with this idea of the flow of illegal immigrants into our country. Because on the one hand, you know, a nation has to have laws and has to uphold laws. However, on the other hand, I wonder, is this an opportunity for us to bring the gospel to people we wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to interact with? Could it be something that the Lord would work together for good, though it in and of itself is not good? I mean, we look at it as such a, a problematic thing, but we have the youth of the world coming to us. Are we taking advantage of that as Christians? Now, as Americans, I think there is a responsibility there that we need to hold our, our elected officials to personally. But as Christians, I think we need to take advantage of the opportunities that present us. You know, I don't mean like welcoming people in and then setting them up with all of their temporal needs necessarily. There are plenty of people that are trying to do that. But in this fight over uh, illegal immigration versus securing our borders, we also, I think, should have an eternal perspective where there is neither Greek nor Jew, you know, uh, Mexican, American, uh, Russian, Ukrainian, Chinese. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we should have a, I believe we should have a porous southern border and we should just let any terrorists through. I'm not in any way trying to be political that way, uh, one way or the other. What I'm trying to say is, Maybe there are people that come to our door and we need to uh, fulfill our role as ambassadors of Christ's kingdom, even with them. Maybe it'll be easier than those conversations with our neighbors right across the street that we know we should have been having, but man, we just can't get around to it. I guess we should be doing that too. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, 
bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Wow, there's a list. Uh, this might as well be a list of who Matthew Harvey is not naturally. You know, like, this is not that guy, naturally. Tender mercies, not naturally. Kindness, not naturally. Humility, absolutely not naturally. As a matter of fact, I think he works on that an awful lot in me. And you know what? I've come to accept it as necessary. And I would prefer to be humiliated so that I might gain humility than to live on in pride and to be separated from his heart in some way. Meekness, not naturally. Long-suffering, absolutely not naturally. You know, that, that these are not. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another? No, I would prefer naturally to say, come on, man, what is wrong with you? And to be done with them and not forgive and to be bitter. Naturally, that's that's how it would be. But therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put these things on. Man, this is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Do you read this list like I read this list and say, this is not me and this is impossible for me? If I had a thousand years to work on these character traits, I don't think that I could I don't think I could do it. This is what separates us from moralists. This is what separates us from religious people. We can acknowledge this is not natural for me. And so it drives us to greater dependence on the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I see what you want from me. I see that you want me to put these things on, but boy, it doesn't fit. Boy, I can't do that. Lord, you have to work this in me. I see what you want because this is the way that Christ is, right? I mean, I can see all of these things in the way that Christ is. You know, is first of all, is he holy? You better believe it. Completely set apart from this fallen world. You better believe it. Beloved, my goodness. The name which is above every name. And at his name it's right that every knee should bow. Of everything and everyone, wherever, whenever, however. Tender mercies. Haven't you experienced his tender mercies? Haven't you had those sweet times with him when he is just ministering to your heart? And you are just in the midst of absolute brokenness, absolute devastation. And hasn't he lifted you up from that? Hasn't he been so merciful and so kind? Speaking of which, kindness. Hasn't he been so kind? Who's humble like our Lord? He stood at the... The place of the judgment that we deserved, and he didn't even open his mouth. You know, he didn't say, wait, 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 you got this all wrong. I wasn't guilty. I'm not guilty of any of this stuff. Completely righteous, by the way. Humility. He came as a servant for us. Meekness. He revealed himself on the Mount of Transfiguration wasn't as though he didn't have power. He revealed, even as he was facing judgment, hey, you know that at this moment, I could call down legions of angels. By the way, one angel in one night killed 185,000 of God's enemies. Think about what legions could do to the population of the entire earth in a matter of moments. He could have done that. Meekness. You know, strength under control. Meekness. Long-suffering. Has he not been long-suffering even with us? Even with those of us who call ourselves his own? So patient. So merciful. Hasn't he borne with me? My foolishness. And my pride. 
Isn't that the way that he is? Mm. Forgiving one another? Hasn't he forgiven us? Boy, I wouldn't forgive me for half of the things that he's forgiven me of if I were him. <laughs> My wife wouldn't either. <laughs> no, praise God. Oh. says this, that here's the basis. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. How can we hold something against somebody else that Christ is willing to forgive? I'm not Christ. I'm not perfect like him. I'm not all of these things like him. So how can I be more offended about somebody else than he was about me? You know, I mean, he was definitely, I mean, the world was already condemned, but he came to bring life for us. How can I not forgive? You know, how, how can I not be these things if my Lord is, my master is, and I am his slave? How can I come short in any of those attributes? How can I think, well, that can't be for me? I can hold I can on hold to on some of these things, things that maybe fit in with my personality a little bit better, fit in with my desires a little bit better. Maybe I feel a little nobler when I think that I'm, I'm doing these particular things, which, by the way, I'm convinced is the reason why the world does a lot of the things that they do that are you know, charitable or noble is because they feel good doing it, and it does feel good to do good. But we don't do it because of the way that it feels. You know, we do it because it's right and because he's commanded us and he's our Lord. Oh, we do it with his resource because it is so contrary to our flesh, so contrary to the natural man. Brothers and sisters, if you're struggling with this list, I mean, take an honest inventory. If you're struggling with this list, please don't make a list and say, okay, well, I guess... Now that we read through Colossians 3, I need, to, uh, I need to work a little bit more on meekness. I need to work a little bit more on tender mercies. You know, I guess I need to work a little bit more on forgiveness. Oh, I hate them. Oh, but I guess I forget that. I forgive them. Oh, but I really, ooh, I don't really want to. Oh, but I guess I've got to. You know, like we have that kind of wrestling, don't we? With sin. And unforgiveness is sin. Bitterness, bitterness is sin. Is sin. How do we How get do we free get from free this? From Only by his, by his Holy Spirit. If you're seeking to do it any other way, if you're seeking to do it in your own power, if you're seeking to like will yourself into right living, it's not going to happen. You're going to be frustrated. Are you frustrated in your Christian walk? Maybe it's because you're not submitting to his power. Maybe you're not looking for his power for these things because they are, frankly, as impossible as they feel. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Boy, if we could just get love, right? Christ said, all of the law is fulfilled in this. We need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. And love our neighbor as ourselves. Boy, if we could do that, we'd have it made. <sighs> love. You know what would be really helpful is I'm not naturally a loving person. So if somehow I could just have this resource that would just somehow cause love to grow inside of me. And to overflow to other people, you know, almost like rivers of living water. That would be fantastic. Man, God should devise a way for somebody to be able to, you know, like do this. Oh, wait, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The fruit of the Spirit is love, primarily, right? If you find yourself loveless, I would assert Perhaps you need to cry out to him for more of his spirit. 
When I'm loveless, it's nothing less than the absence of the work of His Holy Spirit in my life. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. If I take an apple seed and I put it in the ground, the fruit of the apple seed is going to be a, an apple tree, and the fruit of that apple tree is going to be apples again, right? <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is love. If the Spirit is present in our life, the fruit of the Spirit must be present in our life. If the fruit of the Spirit is not present in our life, it points to a lack of His Spirit in our life. So, above all these things, put on love. How do we do that? I think it goes back to humility and saying, Lord, I'm loveless. Lord, I'm, I'm just, I see what you want from me, but I'm altogether different from that. Would you please overflow me with your Holy Spirit? Brother and sister, you can be redeemed and not be um, living with that overflow of the Holy Spirit. Ask him daily. And when you find yourself not exhibiting the fruit of the Holy Spirit, don't say, well, the next time I guess I'll be loving. Go to the source. Lord, I need more of your spirit, obviously, because I am not exhibiting the fruit of your spirit. Will you please change me? Will you please make me not like me? and more like you. May I decrease and may you increase. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Doesn't love draw us all together? You know, I, I welcomed you as family, and as, in Christ we are family. Some of us physically are family as well. But in Christ, we have a closer bond than even that, even than physical family, don't we? It's because of that mutual love. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. It's that glue. It's that thing that kind of holds us together. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Man, I read over that pretty quickly, don't I? Have you ever read over that really quickly? You know, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I used to look at the scripture and I... There were certain verses that I'd say, boy, those are just beautiful. You know, I mean, somebody should really make some kind of plaque and put it up on the wall. And that just would be a beautiful. Maybe there's like some kind of floral arrangement around it on that plaque. And that those words are just so beautiful. Man, I wish they were true. Do you ever do that with the scripture? Do you ever live like they're not true? Do you ever live like Romans 8.28 is not true? Oh, I'm going through it right now. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I wonder if this is all going to work out in the end. Do you ever live like Romans 8.28 is not true for you? Is his word true or is it not? Can you let the peace of God rule in your hearts? Man, if only there was like somebody who could come and like live inside and it just would cause peace. Boy, that would be so great. Wait a second. The fruit of the Spirit is also peace, right? I had, and I'm not trying to in any way demean if you have a lack of peace in your life. I went through a season in my life where I claimed and quoted Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, like it was a mantra. Like I was Roman Catholic praying the rosary. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Because I would forget it that quickly. I wouldn't let peace rule in my heart. He was faithful, though. He called me out of that season. It was a season, and I did go through it. But he called me out of it. 
He's so gracious. Let it. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And if you find that you lack peace, cry out to him for, your, for his Holy Spirit. Remember what Christ said, right? He said, hey, evil dads, you know how to do good things for your kids, right? You know, I mean, which one of us? If our son asks us for a fish, we're going to give him a snake? I mean, we may be bad dads, but we're not that bad. You know, he wants an egg and we give him a scorpion instead. What was the point of all that? He's not going to withhold his spirit from any of us who ask. Ask for his Holy Spirit if you find that there is a deficit of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Ask him again. Lord, I need a fresh filling. I need to be overflowed with your Holy Spirit, not walking the way that I should. Don't resolve to do better. Resolve to be more dependent. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Lord, I'm not even strong enough to let you do that. I'm not even, I, I'm not even strong or clever enough to let peace rule. Would you, would you work that in me? You know, we can pray honest prayers like that. You know, we don't have to come to him and say, Lord, I will stand for you. Lord, I will do all the things that you have, have called me to do. Do you know that you can also come to him and say, Lord, I totally cannot do this. And he will answer. You know, if I say, I need your Holy Spirit, he'll send him. I need him in a greater way. He'll send him. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Gratitude, you know, how could we be anything other than thankful? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Another let. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. I'd say as well, live like it's true. Is this word true or not? Then live like it, teaching and admonishing one another. Well, maybe not with dry talks, maybe not with, you know, long talks in warm rooms. But, you know, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I mean, do you guys exhibit the joy of your salvation to the people around you? You should. To your brothers and sisters. You know, there's a time for singing. It may be difficult for, you know, those of us native-born Mainers. Well, you know, I'm not an overly emotional person. Um... Unless it's maybe for the, the worst emotions. But I'm not an exuberant person by any means. You know, I, I'm kind of uncomfortable around people who are. It's just not who I am. This all right. I mean, if we'll be foolish for the things of the world, could we not be foolish in the eyes of the world for the things of the Lord? I mean, I used to get so excited when the Patriots would score a touchdown. When the Bruins would score a goal, when the Celtics would win a championship game, when the Red Sox would win the world. Oh, that didn't happen for quite a while as I was growing up. However, if I can be excited over these things, why can I not? You know, if I'm willing to just have that spontaneous, why am I ashamed when it is focused on my Lord? Yeah, something to consider. Could we not sing to one another? Could we not teach and admonish one another singing songs? Uh, there are songs that I write, and specifically I do it with the purpose of memorizing Scripture. There was uh, a guy who came to Calvary, Bangor, back in the day. His name is Gail Irwin. And he was talking about the name of the Lord, I thought. My goodness, this is a powerful teaching. 
Uh, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. I was like, boy, I would love to be able to memorize that. I just don't know how. So I wrote a song. You know, um, I don't think that it was even one of the better songs that I ever wrote. But I memorized that scripture. If you think, man, I, I just... Songwriting's not really in me. Maybe you know a tune, and you could redeem that tune. You know a lot of the hymns from back in the day were redeemed tunes, right? I mean, they set them to what had been bar songs, uh, and, and they had blessed lyrics that we still think we think of, and we think the music was as sanctified as the words. And it, it really, the origins of it, was not. I mean, if you're trying to memorize scripture, if you've memorized those stupid words of those stupid songs, could you not redeem those songs to memorize scripture? Even if uh, you have a hard time writing your own tunes, try it. Think about it. Maybe that would work. I mean, it did for me. Uh, I was amazed too, because when I was uh, in Callis, I brought that song back, you know, uh, and just the chorus, and I felt that it, it fit in well with another song that I had written. And I was amazed when my son quoted back to me those verses. It's like, how do you know those verses? And he said, well, that song. You know, I mean, let's teach and admonish one another in psalms, which are formal. You know, I mean, the psalms is what he's talking about when he says psalms. Hymns, which are also more formally structured, you know, like Christian songs uh, and spiritual songs. Those are not necessarily the most, you know, like beautiful, um, the, the high kind of music that you may hear in certain places. You know, it's all right to come up with little tunes. I do that with my kids all the time. You know, I'm forever singing about my daughter, Kara. Um, <laughs> forever, with all varying kinds of tunes and songs and things like that. You know, it's all right for us to sing spiritual songs as well, you know, to sing to one another. Again, if I'm willing to look foolish for a sports team, for a bunch of, you know, millionaires plus who are playing kids' games for that money, can I not look a little foolish for the things of the Lord? Is that too much to ask? Try it. And maybe your voice, you're like, man, okay, well, I couldn't even carry a tune in a bucket. It doesn't matter. It doesn't say spiritual songs as long as your voice is tolerable for everybody else. You know, teach and admonish one another. And whatever you do, wow, that is comprehensive. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all... In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It kind of sounds like every aspect of our life should be surrendered to Christ. Like absolutely everything. Oh man, that's impossible for me. What should I do? What do you think? What should I do? <laughs> Lord, I can't do this. Will you please give me more of your Holy Spirit? Will you please work this into me? Man, whatever I do in word or deed, Lord, my words and my deeds were less than what they should have been as a an ambassador of your kingdom. Will you please change me? Will you please give me the right words? Will you please cause me to walk in your ways? We need to humble ourselves before him. Again, as I started off this service, was talking about how the Lord has worked in a mighty way. Do you know he would work, continue to work in a mighty way in our midst? 
if we just would cry out to him, if we just would ask him for strength, don't you know that he would give strength? As much as I want to bless my children, more than that, he wants to bless us. And when we feel ourselves falling short, don't you know he wants to lift us up? Don't you know he wants to empower us to do those things that he's calling us to? He didn't just say, here, you know, um, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Ha! That should keep you busy for a little while. <laughs> right? That's not how he is. Call out to him. Call out for his work. Call, call out for his Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, I blew it again. Would you please help me? Would you please change me? I really don't want to do those things. You, you really have convicted me, and you really have shown me I shouldn't be doing this. But I do it. And worse than that, I want to do it. And I don't know that I wouldn't do it again. Would you please change me? Do you know we should really humble ourselves before him, probably even to that point or more? I'm not, like, coming to you thinking that we think that each other are always perfectly walking the way that the Lord would have us walk, right? I mean, we're all people in this room. We're redeemed people, but we're people in this room, right? We all have our own struggles. We all have our own failings. But I'll tell you what. We serve a great God. We serve a mighty God. And he wants to work in our midst. Will you let him do that? Will you call out to him? Will you put off the old man and put on the new man by the power of his Holy Spirit? Well, let's pray about that. Our Father, thank you for the way that you have met us in your word. The way that you have spoken to us through your word. And we, we don't come to you as um, anything more than what we are. And you know us perfectly. You know the natural man that we were. You know the unholiness that we cherished. And you've called us to something else. You've called us to something deeper. I pray, Lord, that you would overflow us with your Holy Spirit. No less than you did in the, the second chapter of Acts to your saints. That you would empower us to do those things that you're calling us to do. Because uh, in and of ourselves, we could do nothing, nothing good. Without you, we could do absolutely nothing good. So, Lord, please work in us. So that we might be faithful ambassadors of your kingdom. Lord, I ask for more of your Holy Spirit for the overflow. I am confident that you will answer because of Christ and because you promised it in your word. So we praise you for answering our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.